We were on the river walk. We um, took you to a nice dinner. Yep. We went, we had dinner and we went to a little Irish piano bar and we got ice cream. That was fun. And took Rihanna to the Alamo so that she could see it. And while we're on our little adventure, we come across someone who is standing up on a platform with a speaker and a microphone, like Mm an earpiece microphone, hands-free microphone. And he is what the kids would call preaching the gospel. If you would call it that. There are over 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Which one are you leaving? Why are you deconverting? Welcome to the Deconversion Podcast, where we explore the experiences and challenges of deconverting from religious faith. We are here to discuss and explore this topic and help you on your journey to living an authentic life. Three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. We are back. To another episode of the Deconversion Podcast. Yep. Holiday episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is, it's fun. It's fun. The holidays are coming up. We just had our really good friend Rihanna come visit us. We got to have some fun, which is actually going to be a segue into what we're going to talk about. We yeah. had an interesting experience. Yeah. Uh, we went to the Riverwalk in yeah. San Antonio. But we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. you came over. We mm-hmm. had been at the class all day. We're doing a fitness training class. And we got back and you were like, have you heard the news? And I said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you said, it's actually good news for once. So, listener, <laughs> let me tell you how this goes. When Tim comes over to our apartment, which is where we have our soundproof studio set up, Tim comes over and we mostly have to decompress and tim tells us all the terrible things that's going on in the news (laughs) i have to try to bring a positive perspective and we all just get grounded in a very healthy place so tim came over today and said i have you seen the news and so i'm thinking oh great what's happening in ukraine like (laughs) god knows what trump said and he's and it's really good news and i was like all right this is exciting but it genuinely is exciting no it's cool and you explained it to me and and i don't know i think it's fun and i think it's appropriate and it was interesting so what was the good news today or the interesting news? Well, I what I throw out there for everybody is that this is when you deconvert and stuff, I found like things in life that get you excited can change slightly. And after I deconverted and I did science and biology and all these other things, I got excited about different things. And the one that it kind of came down to de- today from the Department of Energy. It was the head of the Department of Energy here in the U.S. that did the announcement was a big breakthrough in fusion energy development that has been going on for a long time. And if you're a listener and you're not into this kind of stuff, this is like the – if you like sci-fi, it's kind of like the zero-point module from like Star Trek or something like that. It's like infinite energy is the, is what it is. And they've been working on it for years. And it's – the whole thing with like nuclear energy, it has two different like departments. It's got fission and it's got fusion And when you think back to World War II and the first atomic bomb, those were all fission devices. So they would take an atom and they'd split them apart, creates energy, boom, okay, the bomb. bomb. And then the other side of it was that they tried fusion, which was instead of splitting an atom, it's like pressing protons together. It just creates, it creates energy. 
Right. It's the same thing as reverse. Fission f- is pulling apart. Fusion is pushing things together. Gotcha. And creating that in a way that is like safe and functional to create power, they've been working on it for 80 years and they have not been able to do it. They've, they, I know somewhere over in Europe, they had a giant, they were trying to do it with huge magnets and they couldn't get it to work. The announcement that came out today is that a department over here in California that was doing it with lasers for the first time ever, they did a proof of concept, which is they put X amount of energy into the machine to create the reaction and cause the fusion to take place. And then they extracted more energy coming out than what went in. And I've watched a bunch of, I read a bunch of articles today and I watched There's some good interviews like with Bill Nye, the science guy and Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about this. It's a big deal. And is it safer than nuclear energy? Because that's, that's the a idea. real controversy. Yeah, nuclear, when you're breaking stuff apart, nuclear reactors require fuel. And the fuel is typically like a certain element, like uranium or whatever. You've got fuel rods that go in, they get spent, and then you pull them out, and then you've got nuclear waste. And we have a huge problem with trying to store that stuff. And then, of course, people's disposition about nuclear power and its potential to become a problem. We've had Fukushima, we've had Chernobyl, we've had, which those weren't good events. And that's a big problem. And it's not, that's the norm for nuclear power facilities, but it's a potential problem. Fusion doesn't seem to create the same type of problem. The main fuel that's used in fusion is hydrogen. So water, literally the most abundant thing in the planet. And And if I understand correctly, it's very Small amounts of water. Yes. You're not talking about a whole lot to do a whole bunch. And it's literally the, if you look at our sun, the reaction that's driving our sun right now is a fusion reaction. Okay. And it just keeps going self-sustaining gravity, all these different things, keep it in place and have it doing what it's doing. And what they are doing is they are literally trying to artificially create a star in a small form that's self-sustaining that produces energy. And so the thing that was exciting about today and why I came over all pumped up about was that they've literally shown that they can now do it. That was the first problem. Can we show that this can even be achieved? And that's what scientists and physicists have been working on for forever. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson today on one of the interviews that I watched basically said, now that they've done this part of it, it goes to engineers. Now the problem becomes, how do we take that? How do we miniaturize it? or make it the right size and get it to do another form of work for us. And that requires engineering. But the joke amongst scientists and physicists about fusion technology is that it's always 30 years away. And that's the way it's been my entire life. This is like saying that we are now past that point and now we're in a development process. We've created the fusion now. Now the idea is how do we harness it? And what you and I were talking about before the podcast and what I thought is exciting is that it could literally change the world we live in in our lifespan if they find a way of harnessing it properly. Almost like steam power coming into the picture. Yeah. The analogy that Tyson used was saying going from a horse-drawn carriage to a car that level of dramatic change. And uh, I just find that really exciting. That's not uh, to give it some context with the podcast is that this is not fantasy land. This isn't legend or folklore or stuff you get fed from religion. This is the real world you're living in. This is what science does. 
it freaking figures shit out, and there is nothing cooler in the entire world. And it's better for the planet, and it's yes, it's the human experience, and we're yep. progressing, and it's faster. That was the other thing they were talking about: is that they, if they find a way to harness this the proper way, it doesn't have any forms of emission aside from heat. So you're talking about clean energy, not only a lot of energy, clean energy. So that could go a long way towards upending a lot of the damage that's already been done to our planet by burning fossil fuels, which we can't do forever anyway. That right. energy will go away eventually. So Yeah, that's fascinating. Fascinating stuff. I think it's so, great. So there's you something that Tim gets excited about yeah. <laughs> for everybody. No, I think it's great. <laughs> go look it up. There's great articles about it. Yeah. Speaking of... Fairy tale land. Let's loop around to our other. Let's uh, talk about someone who <laughs> who they live in the fairy tale land. Yeah. All right, listener, I'll set the scene for you. So Tim and his wife Leah, and then me and my wife Francie. It's still kind of weird to call her my wife. Yeah, get over it. It'll go away. And Rihanna, who is Francie's childhood best friend, all went to San Antonio. And we were on the river walk. We um, took you to a nice dinner. Yep. We went, we had dinner and we went to a little Irish piano bar and we got ice cream. That was fun. And took Rihanna to the Alamo so that she could see it. And while we're on our little adventure, we come across someone who is standing up on a platform with a speaker and a microphone, like Mm an earpiece microphone, hands-free microphone. And he is... What the kids would call preaching the gospel. If you would call it that. And he's doing it in a very intense and aggressive way. Yes. And so we're walking and our group, we had a little, we didn't, we had a little back and forth on how we were going to navigate it. So Tim's, I'm going to go talk to this guy. That's my initial thought. Yeah. yeah, And then I said, and then I said, Turn on the cameras. This is going on the deconversion <laughs> Facebook group for sure. And then it was difficult because we were also on a time frame. We didn't want to stay out too late. We're trying to show our friend around downtown. There were a lot of people. Yeah. And, and so then we went, we got ice cream and then we come back. What a rated R night we had. Yeah, and then know, we right? came back and then we talked about it again, if we should approach it. And so now I just thought it would be a good idea because this is a subject that comes up quite a bit. Are we obligated to say something? Mm-hmm. Should we say something? Is it worth saying anything? And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to unpack that. And this was a great little microcosm mm-hmm. or example of this issue on a larger scale. Yeah. We ended up talking about it the whole way home. And about when is it time to speak up? We've talked about on here that there's, there is a time to do it and there's a time not to, you know what I mean? Especially when you're navigating close personal relationships, but this, this is out in public. This is somebody I don't know. So it brought up some other things. Now, spoiler alert, we didn't end up talking to the guy because we ended up walking past him and he was already getting engaged by what to me looked like two gay men who looked like they were pretty well-spoken and knew what they were talking about. And then there was a girl there that was really railing into him. Aren't you a little old for believing fairy tales or (laughs) something like that? (laughs) Yeah, so I got into it. And then I said, we should go back. And then we should have a sign that says, is this guy bothering you? Uh We are having calm two-way conversations about deconversion. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. And the reason why I say it that way is because this guy was speaking at people. Yes. In no way, shape, or form was he having a conversation. He was just border he was just screaming at people. Yeah. L- legitimately. Yeah. Like, yeah. like 
you're a sinner. Talking down to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're well. a sinner. You're going to die and go to hell if you mm-hmm. don't like repent. Jesus is your only way. Yeah. Et cetera, et well, cetera, et cetera. brought up something really great while we were observing it from a distance because we were talking about just how there there are a lot of Christians in the world that we're that we live around and we see and interact with. Not everyone does what this guy is doing. For one. And so you brought up that it's just tacky. Mm -hmm. It's tacky. It's like the equivalent, the analogy you gave me while we were standing out there is what if I just got a box and started stand up talking about industry codes and restaurant businesses (laughs) and talking at people like, if you don't take care of your staff, you won't have a good business. Yeah, (laughs) Just spewing information no one asked for. Just a little plug, speaking of that. So (laughs) industryvt.com, if any of the listeners know a restaurant owner that's struggling and would like to know more. About culture and leadership. Okay. Oh. Shameless plug. It's a plug. I just it's a plug. Okay. Okay. Yes. So that's industryvt.com. Just so you guys know. <laughs> but I did say I was like, okay, what would it look like? You yeah. okay? There are four key questions to answer if your culture is on point. <laughs> yeah. You, Number you. one, am I safe here? Number two, it is what if I went yeah. up there and just as passionately taught my culture and leadership course? Well, yeah. You also said, you know, what if we put Leon on a box and had her talk about photography? Yeah, exactly. At, at people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is that aperture not turned down to 2.8? <laughs> Do you not want a motion background blur? Anyway, why didn't you frame the bride the right well, you've way? You've got the you've got the voice to be a street preacher. Oh, I could be a preacher all day uh, long. I want yeah. to be a preacher. No, but we so we tackled that one. This is tacky. Yeah, and we substituted. We're like, okay, are we being critical of religion, or what if we substitute this with anything else? Yeah, anything else, and it becomes just ah, why would you do that? I get to the psychological of component of what kind of individual person does that because. I couldn't do it. And I know plenty of Christians that wouldn't do it. It's like that kind of personality creates a problem for engagement right off the bat because I think about narcissism. I think about zealotry. And then also one of the reasons we didn't engage wasn't just that he was already engaged. It was that kind of person wants you to fight with him. Yeah, You're not going to change his mind. You're not going to do anything to him. He is prepared to to agitate you even to try and make his point and do what he's going to do. So it's kind of like shifting a punch away from you so that you just don't take it. Don't get in the way of that punch. If you go up and engage with him, you're stepping right into the, into the firing. It's almost fueling him. Yes. So we talked about that and then we said, okay, there's two things. So whole, so there's that thought Mm -hmm. we're feeling into what he is doing. It's almost, I forgot how Leah worded it, but it's almost, if you let him go, you like he's getting what he wants. And then, but we've always had the conversation. Let me rephrase that. But we've often had the conversation that whenever you engage with someone of that nature, Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's not about. That person listening to you, it's about the other people are listening. Yes. You're not going to make any progress with that guy. Mm-hmm. He's not having it. That's not why he's there. But what if the person on the side, the peripheral, they get something? Maybe they're torn. Maybe they're in the middle. Because mm-hmm. I will say that there was an ele- 
element of me that felt really good when that black woman was letting him have it. Speaking of which, he called her sister. And as a friend of a lot of black people, you better have some rapport before you call a black woman sister. Because he did and she was not having it. No, she is lighting him up. That's why we didn't even need to engage. I was oh, just yeah. like, don't need to go there. One of the other things I brought up to you is there's a time definitely to pipe up. But you got to be clear in your own mind about why you're piping up. And what you just said, it's it's not for that person. It's for the people on the periphery. When, when you watch a debate online, you've got two people who are arguing two different positions. They're not there to change each other's minds. They may try whatever, but they're there for the audience. The audience gets to make up their mind after hearing these two different positions spar with each other. And so there is a time to do that. The context for me would have to be, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I probably, in some instances, I might very well. If I saw him being really verbally abusive to somebody, I might really just put myself in the way so that our person can get out. Because his verbal abuse isn't going to do anything to me. And listener, but, he was letting people have it. I mean, oh, yeah. Was, it, was not was, con- it was not kind. For somebody who wants to stand up there and spout stuff about the Bible, he, is, he was only spouting the bad stuff. He was not doing any of the other stuff that yeah. plenty of other Christians would find that reprehensible. I'd be yeah. willing to say that. Yeah. But but that is a common thing. Street preaching and that attitude about religion is not isolated. That's why it happens. It's right. it is out there. Francie had quite a bit to say about it when we were driving to class this morning. She said that it was odd because it was a very aggressive conversation that she didn't agree to partake into. Yeah. So when we were walking by and he's yelling at us, those things, she's this. there's no consent here. This isn't a conversation yeah. I'm willing to have. And then she said, religion it is one of those uh, mechanisms that just kind of reinforces itself because she said it's disturbance of the peace. Mm. Like if someone had gone up there about maybe just about any other issue and there was a complaint and the way he was behaving – He was disturbing the peace of a public place. Mm -hmm. And then I said that he was not making people in that area feel comfortable. And there's business owners that pay a premium rent Mm -hmm. for foot traffic. And if they're not – if that foot traffic's not there, then that's disrespectful to the business owner. And so that person is – he was behaving in an extremely, like you said, narcissistic and selfish way. But Mm -hmm. let's just say that one of the, the Riverwalk police officers arrested him. Now he's a martyr. Yeah. Now he was persecuted in the name of Jesus. And then it's this is a showing of the end times. It's it's almost like yeah, you can't win. It's with, self-fulfilling prophecy. They It's yeah. how their brains work. But the thing is, that guy to me, in a lot of, I don't like to think anybody's completely beyond reason, but most people that are, have, are at that point, it would take something more dramatic happening to them than me talking to them to get them to shake up their position. Right. But the thing I point out there for like our listeners and for people who are religious, that this is one of the arguments that I have put about current political situations with Trumpism and the attitude that Trump or right wingers have towards liberals is this, it's a very derogatory, dismissive kind of attitude. They're snowflakes when they do this, they're stupid, whatever. They have that attitude about it and it can go both ways, but it's more so on the right that I feel like they have that attitude. And it's like, why are you doing that? Are you doing that to drive them and demonize them and make them your enemy? Or are you trying to present your ideas to try and bring people over to your side? Because my position and the way that I feel most people 
of my disposition are is we're not so much wanting to just beat other people into the ground with our ideas. I want to present my ideas so that they're attractive. We've always talked about presenting our ideas with integrity. Yes. And so I'm trying to make them attractive and make sense. And I think that they're in a lot of ways, good arguments. You don't have to do a lot to them because they're attractive for their own sake. And that what that guy's doing on that box is the exact opposite. If I'm trying to lure people and make it attractive and have it make sense and have it be something that is helpful to people in their lives, he wants people to believe what he believes and the Bible through fear. He's trying to point a finger and be like, you'll figure this out. He's appealing to the superstitious parts of our brain. I'm fucked up. I'm doing something wrong. There's some greater power out here punishing me, but don't worry. I have the solution for you. You just have to believe what I believe. Yeah. And that's like trying to beat people over the head with the stick to get them to believe something. And as I've said many times in this podcast, it's like anyone that tries to motivate you through fear to get you to believe something, you should be suspect of that. Sure. It's a big problem. I have a question that I'm curious with you having family and law enforcement and your criminology background and degree. Was this guy disturbing the peace or exercising freedom of speech? I didn't observe him for long enough to be able to make a really good like estimate of that. I can because where you run into the problem is that he's he has positioned himself to make that hard. Him standing there spouting and just talking the way that I heard about 90% of what, how he came out of his mouth while we were there was, was is protected speech. Any of us can stand there and do that. That's, that's the way our country is. I'm a big proponent. It takes a lot for me to get in the way of that. And then when he was engaging with the girl, it seemed like that's getting a little ag- verbally aggressive. It, it's turning into something else. But here's the thing. His argument could be is I'm just standing here talking and then they came and started talking to me. And they were aggressive with me with first and I was just defending myself. You're getting into he said, she said, and real murky territory for a problem. What could happen is that he's got every right to stand there. We've got every right as pedestrians to not like that and complain to those businesses and then tell them, hey, I'm not going to patronize your business because that guy's out there. The businesses get upset and then they have something to say about it. That could maybe move things more in the dial within the justice system the way that you might like them to go. But at the end of the day, it's free speech. A lot of Mm -hmm. people can get away and do that. Nazis freaking do that shit. White nationalists do that. Like I may have been a white nationalist. You don't know. That's the messy thing about democracy is that we have freedom of speech and I'm real hesitant on infringing upon people's ability to do that. I have the ability to be like, yeah, no, whatever. And walk away. I don't have to listen to him. And that's, and I'm very much of the same way. It's our freedom is it's really important to protect those freedoms. Yeah. Even if it trumps your comfort. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. It trumps your comfort or your preferred measurement. You know, it's Mm. like, well, that person can do that. And I've always, I've always been there. Well, it's wrong. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's wrong for us to tell that person if they can or can't do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm very much the same way. And that's why I'm asking the question. The moment, the moment it turns into physical violence or, vul- you know, you could probably get them on vulgarity or that kind of stuff. But sure. then again, that's a hard one. It is a hard one. It's a hard one. Especially. And the other thing is, too, is there you could play it along. Hey, there's this is a public space or you could almost argue that it's a private space, like business entity space. But you have rules of engagement like. These are the park rules. These Mm -hmm. are the rules here. No soliciting. And so 
that can yeah, work into it's kind it. of and it's it all depends on a lot of times it depends on like the property that you're on is that private property down there if that's private property that is owned by those businesses but it's riverwalk so it's public property if it's mm. public eh, people can pretty much do whatever and if it's private property people can really do whatever they want or infringe well, people's it, ability to yeah, do stuff exactly do you know the story about me and the first group of people, my first little endeavor of getting people to getting to know free thinkers here in our local community was doing Kerrville Free Thought on Facebook. And people can find that if they listen to this podcast, it's affiliated or not directly affiliated, but I link some of our stuff on there for the, our local community. And when I was first a part of that, and it was me and several other guys that did that, Drew Lawrence is one of the administrators on there and Anthony and a couple people. And we, at one point in time, we've got the local courthouse situation where they have a nativity scene up during the holidays. Yeah. Francie and I talked about this today. Yeah. And we tried to put up a free thought banner. We got the Freedom From Religion Foundation's banner that they put up on lawns and we went to argue or we didn't argue. We just requested to put it up. Oh, man. I heard, did you I heard, hear? Did I ever tell you this story? Well, no, because I was around for it. I remember old, I don't know if I yeah. should say his name, old Dale Way. Was Dale Way was pissed <laughs> off. Dale Way is a TBN kind oh, of minister guy, and he, he, he lives here in Kerrville. He's a rock star that didn't make it, so he yeah, went for the second best. He's a piece of work, man. He is a piece <laughs> of work. Driving around his bikes and his he is the quintessential like snake oil salesman preacher guy. He's, he the slime off that guy from a distance is just tough. There's several people like that in I've our been, local community. I've been to I've been to a few of his services. Yeah. It doesn't get better. No, but anyway, so we petitioned to just put this banner up, and it went to the county commissioners. And we went to the first one, and they wanted it was not a lot. It hadn't gotten out yet. What we were trying to put up. And, and it was basically just a banner with the founding fathers and it looked like a nativity scene, but instead of having a baby in the basket, it was the bill of rights. And so it's Respectable a, enough. it's a little tongue in cheek, but, it was, sure. but, it, it, but what we're arguing about is if you're going to have a religious thing on the property, you should allow any other one. If you want a Buddha up there or a Jewish stuff or Muslim, whatever, if you're going to do one, you got to let everybody do it. The church, because yeah, it's on a government. Building. Yeah. And the church of Satan gets into this quite a bit because they're like, Oh, we're going to put up a Batman statue. And they really argue it. But we were trying to do something that was not abrasive. That was just like this. The second meeting that we went to where we got turned down, we only have one County commissioner vote to petition it. And th there were like four or five of us from Kerrville free thought that showed up for that. And there were like 300, there was standing space only, 300, 400 local, it mainly Delway and his church and members and all these people. And they showed up and fell on their swords and were like, we're being persecuted. And this is the, it, uh, the stuff that came out of people's mouths at that, at that commissioner's meeting. And, and there was a guy who said that we don't live in a democracy. We live in a theocracy. And I was like, what are you talking about? It was insane. And- the request wasn't for it to be removed. The request was for you to That's add correct. something else to it. And that was something we were trying to make very clear because what went out on social media and why I think so many people showed up there to argue with us was that we had – that we were trying to take down the nativity scene. We never once asked for that. All we asked was for equal space for us, and it was just a season's greetings message. Okay. And the just the freaking attitude that came out was insane. Dude, it was insane. Religion's cherry-picking separation of church and state. We want the nativity scene out on the city courthouse, uh -huh. right? Lawn. But we don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> 
Yeah. Bonkers. It is bonkers. Oh my god. And my whole thing's and Bonk- again, I didn't think it would go through. I knew that the pushback would be crazy. The Freedom from Religion Foundation can only take so many legal lawsuits on that kind of thing, even though I think that they're still like vulnerable to that. But no a, a further action was done. It was just there to shine put a point on it. And uh, Anthony was on the local news when that went down. I've still got yeah. a video of it. It was hey, pretty funny. Maybe we just go do this at a bunch of little high. No, I don't like that. And then form. lawsuit heaven. It, my attitude's changed over the years. I'm less, it, that's a very in your face kind of way of going after this kind of stuff. And that's why I feel I like this move of, uh, it's not that I don't advocate. I advocate for that kind of thing all the time. I also think it's hilarious because there's no better way to show the double standards of what's going on than kind of stirring the pot. But I don't really search that out anymore. I much prefer to meet the people like I have through this and have conversations and people who are struggling dealing with this kind of stuff and finding their little niche. I find that's way more rewarding than going out and arguing with Delway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, our, our main goal is to help people yes. who are leaving religion and navigating that. So we, we'll stay in our lane. But, man, I could take a big old check, big old, big old lawsuit check. No, I'm, I'm shameless. That way. No, but to loop around when I feel I was going to, I gave a little bit of this other story to you because we were talking about when do you speak up? And I watched a, t- a TikTok. I'm not super into TikTok, but Tim I got watches one. Tim talk all day long. <laughs> no. Nah, so I found this one and it was some sort of podcast. And they were, there was a girl that was there and there was a guy who was identifying as a conservative Muslim man. And they were talking to, they were asking him if he would date a girl from OnlyFans, like a girl who had an OnlyFans account. Just so everyone knows, that's like having a private porn site where you do nude stuff on camera or that kind of thing. And so he basically, I'm a conservative Muslim, and that's not how I handle that at all. If I were to want to marry you or date you, he goes, I wouldn't even talk to you first. He's pointing at the girl in the room with him. And he goes, I would go talk to your father, and then your father would vet me out, and then maybe you and I would go to coffee and we would work this out. And then I would consult more with your father, and then the girl would consult with the father, and then if everything worked out well – then we would get married and we and it would be quick it wouldn't be slow it would happen very fast and he presents this in a any in a very attractive sort of way and he says this is all done to like pr- to protect your virtue and and to do all this stuff and it's all he spins it in a very kind of like attractive traditional kind of sense and there are some overtones of that are very very similar to biblical marriage and the way Christians treat marriage. It's not as strict and fundamentalist, but there's still the tradition of ask the father if he, you can marry the daughter and all this stuff, which is something I have never done. Right. But when I watch that TikTok, and I'm going to send it to you so you can see the whole thing, and I maybe I'll try and find it and link it in for everybody to watch it. If I'm in a room and someone does that, Tim's going to speak up. It's time to speak up because – that guy basically says this in a room where I see no opposition come at him over it. Okay. And that idea, just like I feel like people who are preaching religious beliefs in front of people deserves to get called out. Well, hold on a second. Let me express why I don't think that's a good idea or there's a problem with that. And the reason I feel strongly about speaking out about stuff like that when it comes up is because if you don't, nobody else hears it. They mm-hmm. just hear that. You're not getting the yin and the yang. You just got the yang. You didn't get the yin. Right. And that it's important 
to be able to present that. And again, it's not for him. I'm probably not going to change that guy's mind, even though I would love to, because I think that guy's treating women like their property and he's selling himself short of having a real partnership with another fully fledged human being. That's not property. He's missing out on something. So I would, there's a part of me that wants to help him, but I also know that's probably out of reach. So what I want to do is I want to push back on his idea for anybody else that's listening because I, that's a bad idea and it needs to be challenged. But wouldn't we want to translate that principle to that night? If we were to In the interact, right context, yeah. Yeah, if we were to interact, should I, yes or no, interact with the street preacher? Obviously, this isn't going to work out. But mm-hmm. what about the people who are listening? Like, I can I can like, augment the situation and tell you exactly how it would have made Tim speak up. Okay. Okay. Our situation, the exact thing, the thing that happened was we heard him from a distance. Correct. Most people are ignoring him and just walking by and not even engaging with him. He's up there by himself. And then when we do walk past him, he is getting engaged by two gay men and the other woman. Woman. And so that was all where I was like, I don't want to break into that. I will tell you how I would have spoke up. If I had walked by him and he had some young people stand around him, like listening or maybe had their Bibles, maybe they're taking notes or maybe they were really like concerned or like listening to what he was saying. Then you're going to hear me talk. If he was speaking to a group of people, even if they didn't have their Bibles up, but if they, it sounded like he had an opportunity to legitimately influence a group of people oh, yeah. around him. Then the I'm going to start popping balloons. Yeah. <laughs> As I put it. Yeah. Then th- that would have made me definitely want to speak up. So something I was thinking about while this was happening <clears throat> was street ministry, but done in a much different way. Yeah. And I can give an example. I wasn't personally a part of a religious organization, but I was a part of an organization that was trying to help prostitution during the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. And so the Super Bowl was in Houston. And basically, the organization I was with, it was very simple. You would find women who are working, who are selling sex. And it's, if you don't want to do this, we got a place for you. We'll get you set up. And it was really interesting. It was heartbreaking. It was like stuff that you see from movies like Mm Taken. There was like European girls who barely spoke English that were like breaking down. Mm -hmm. Ironically, there was also women that were like, I pay my kids college tuition in this weekend alone. Get out Uh, of my way. You know, and that's an interesting side subject. I think that it would be very important to differentiate street ministry and street outreach. Like my wife did what would be considered to be inner city ministry work when she was in San Francisco. And that is is not what that guy was doing the other night, okay? That guy is like a narcissist that stand there spitting hate at people, like what the Westboro Baptist Church is. At That's a high-income pro- area. It's like, sh- it's like protesting, okay? Mm-hmm. That's It has more in common with protesting. That's not street ministry. My wife went and walked around in like the worst parts of San Francisco in the red light district and gave people socks. And gave hugs and tried to help people who needed help that, and there was no preaching going alongside it. Maybe a Jesus loves you, sure. which I don't expect them not to do, but they were there trying to help people bring meals, bring food, 
bring extra clothes. People live on the street. That to me is a form of street ministry and what I am, what nonprofits do all the time. But, and that's what I was going to bring around to was that while I was doing that, there were a lot of religious organizations that were doing very similar. Absolutely. Yeah. And they don't, I don't like the having help and then serving people, your religious beliefs at the same time. It doesn't change the fact that they are helping. Okay, right. that's good. That's a good thing. You can do it without having to hand the other thing along. But what this guy is doing and what we encountered it's is much much different than that but, sort of thing. Yeah, you and you and I, if we have been walking, let's reverse the scenario again. Thought experiments, everybody. Always a good thing to do. Let's say we were walking and we were going through a rougher part of San Antonio. I know those areas. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's where you dwell. <laughs> well, anyway, but let's say we were let's say we we're there. walking down a rougher bit of area, and there are a group of people that have a church van parked over next to us, and they're handing out socks or food or pre-made meals, and they're giving this. Are we going to go give those people a hard time? I'm personally not. No, of course not. In fact, I would almost go I, over I there, offer to help. Yeah, offer to help, thank them. But in addition to that, engage. Offer to engage in a conversation in the future because I feel like, and this is just from my personal experience, this isn't a statistic, I don't want to make a generalization, but I've noticed that people who do deconvert, that at one point they were those people. Yes. It was those, it was the people that went to church that were genuine, that really wanted to help, that really asked questions that end up having an issue and yeah. are now deconverting. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a, it, that's a real truth across the board. Leah has talked about this on numerous occasions with me is that she goes, after I went and did inner city work helping people, I could never go back to the pew. I could mm-hmm. never go back to pew sitting in church on Sundays. It always had this weird, it affected me different and I didn't like it. And I would throw that out there to anybody who, you know, well, because she was genuinely helping yeah, people. Yeah, you she go genuinely help people. I've told people I lived over on the Gulf Coast during when Hurricane Katrina hit, and I went and did relief work with the church after Hurricane Katrina hit. And that changed my perspective dramatically just in a week and a half worth of work. And I was I had a hard time going to church and hearing people talk. Talks talk. You're going to go do something about some of this stuff or not? Yeah. And you and I are all about action. Where do you actionably go and do something about some of this stuff? Yeah, it's tough. Francie said something interesting. She said, do you think that the mindset that this guy had to like stand up on this platform, basically yell at everyone, do you think he thought that was socially acceptable because that's what he experiences every Sunday when he goes to church. And she just said, I just feel like, when is that socially acceptable? And she's like, well, it's socially acceptable every Sunday at church. In addition, she said that when this guy was talking, there was no back and forth. There was no exchange. He was not speaking to anyone. That The black woman and the two gay guys, he wasn't listening to them. No. He wasn't debating. And church is a one-way conversation. Yes, And there's so... What could that have been a learned behavior? It certainly can be a learned behavior. Have you ever seen the video of the little kid on Oprah? Uh uh-uh. Oh God, I've got to show this to you as well. There's a, there. It's an old one. I think it's from early time of her show. It's got to be like mid eighties or something. And she has a Southern Baptist minister with his son on the show. And the little kid, he can't be, a, he's 11 or 12. He's okay. not old. And he's dressed in a sh- suit. And 
he he gets up and he emulates what his father does, which is fire and brimstone. You're going to go to hell and this. He's screaming at people and doing all this. And it's really interesting to watch because at he keeps looking back up at his dad to make sure that he's like staying on point. But there's one point where Oprah is Oprah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she asks him a question and it's not in a format and you can see the little kid crack through. And he mm. just talks like a little, no, I don't. I, and then he reverted, but you, and then he starts doing his preaching thing again, emulating his father. And that's where, that was the first time I started really thinking about some forms of this as being child abuse. Sure. Okay. It, because it is. Anything can be twisted that horribly, but religion has a way of being particularly well, horrible about it. But My call on child abuse was when a Jehovah Witness set of parents let their 13-year-old child die when a simple blood transfusion would have kept them alive. Yep. That's that, child uh, abuse. Yep. That, that, it's so funny. It's like that same religious group is so against abortion. Uh-huh. Yeah. But then when it comes time to keep their child's life alive with a simple blood transfusion, they let their 13-year-old child die. Yeah. Now, the government yeah. should step in and say, We're, yeah. it, this kid can make this call when he turns 18. He can suck all his blood out. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's child abuse. There's no way to really know what that guy's upbringing, but you can see some of it manifest through. And yeah, what he's doing is preaching, street preaching. It's, but that's not ministry. That's not helping people. It's not doing anything except stroking his own ego. Yeah. And we don't want to make assumptions that we don't know. We've always been really careful of saying we don't know a hundred percent, but from our viewpoint of watching them is, could anything have been said or done to make that person think that they were being inappropriate, do you think? Or would it just have fueled his fire? It would have just fueled this fire. He's all prepped for it. There's no way to like out outmaneuver that in I mean, my he own had way. His speaker. What outmaneuvers people who are that way is when life catches up with them. And there's something within we'll do a podcast on it at some point, but there's something called the argument from evil. Which is, if God exists, why does evil happen? And why does he allow evil to happen in the world? And I find that most of those people who are doing what that guy's doing, they have to be confronted with something to cause the cognitive dissonance, which we've talked about before. You've got to have a catalyst to cause the brain enough discomfort to question it. And that guy is not going to get that level of discomfort with us arguing with him on the street. That guy is going to take something more dramatic. It could be a health issue. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a life situation that occurs. Lee and I were talking this morning and we've got our Facebook and we follow friends and people who are still believers and Christians. And we were reading one thing and it was a friend of Leah's, of Leah's, and they were talking about starting work as a life coach and that they've been working really hard on it. And one of the things that got said in like the statement that they were on their Facebook quote was that that she felt like the tools that the church had given me were not working. So I went and started getting help and it really helped. And now I feel inspired to do this as well. And of course, she's not a non-believer. She's a Christian. So she feels like the life coach was God helping her, but she really gave it away when she says something in the thing where she's the tools the church gave me weren't helping me. Mm-hmm. Well, then what's the point? I and something I've said to Leah many times is if all of this stuff, the stuff you're supposed to live a certain way, you're supposed to not go out with certain people, you're supposed to not have sex, there's all these rules, you're supposed to jump up and down at church and worship God and do all this. 
it's supposed to help you in some way. Can you tell me exactly what that is? Where is the real help? What does it do? And it can't be other people, community. It has to be something linked to how it influences your behavior. And I keep coming up empty. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've talked about this in the past, giving God credit for something God hasn't done where other people have done it. And that's in a beautiful part of the human experience. And I think we rob the credit that where credit is due. Yeah. Oh, God, I went to church and the blessing of God helped me pay my bills. No, someone donated money to the church. That church decided to help you pay your bills. And that's amazing. That's a community. I think a lack of community Mm -hmm. is going to be more and more of an issue for our society. Yeah. And we need to figure out how to navigate that. So there's so many great things, but it wasn't a single act done from God. No. He didn't just make a suitcase of money appear in front of you. Lee and I, we've, and it goes back to the street ministry versus the street preaching is we've just talking. We're just asking the question, does religion genuinely make us better people? Yeah, it's a fair fair question. Where is the good versus the bad? Where's the tipping scales? And if you have a all knowing, all omniscient, loving God, then how are we not getting better results? Yeah, there, there is an argument that can be made. There's a great debate that you can go watch. I'd highly recommend it for any of our listeners. That is, it's an old one, but it's called, in fact, I think it's, it's. I sent some list I put together a ways back, but it's, is the Catholic Church a force for good in the world is the question that's put forward. And it was done over, I think, over in England sometime. And so what you got is it's a debate set up. So you have an audience that's watching, okay? Okay. And they all start and they take a preliminary vote on the question. The question is, is the Catholic Church a force for good in the world? And the vote comes slightly tipped towards no, with a good portion of people saying, I don't know. And then another portion of people saying that it is, okay? I don't remember the statistics. And then you have the debate. And on one side, you have a bishop and this one lady who are representing the Catholic Church. And then on the other side, you have the actor Stephen Fry, who you may know from V for Vendetta or The Hobbit. He's been in a ton of movies. He was most recently in Sandman, which was great. And he's a gay man. Fantastic. I love that guy. I for, if, On my top 10 list of people I would love to meet and have a conversation with. And with him is the legendary Christopher Hitchens. And both sides present their side of the argument. Is the Catholic Church a force for good? And I found the Catholic's argument is we do charity, so we're good. And they just got completely obliterated by the other side when they talked about anti-contraception stuff going over on in, in Africa and all the other stuff the Catholic Church has done. And when it's over with, the audience votes again after the debate is over. Did the audience's opinion? It's a great example of showing what a debate is supposed to do. It's supposed to take an audience that may already have an informed opinion or no opinion, and then they get presented these different viewpoints. And then how do they feel afterwards? The Catholic church gets absolutely demolished in that. I think at the end, it's something like 85% people are like, no, it's not a force for good in the world when it's over with. So that's a great debate to watch, but that argument that comes up, oh, we do charity. So that means that doesn't compensate guys. Well, anybody can do charity. Listen, the famous drug dealer in, in Columbia, yeah, in Columbia. How uh, am I? Pablo Escobar. Yeah, Pablo Escobar. Oh, yeah. The people loved he, him. He, he was did a in, ton of charity. He was insane. He murdered so many people. He was for, And he also had an obsession with like young girls, too. He was yeah. The guy's horrible. People loved him. 
because he did charity. He did charity. And let me tell you, the guy had more GDP than most countries, so he could do lots of charity. charity. They still love him down there in in certain neighborhoods, in certain parts. They find him to be – he was Robin Hood to them. And so that's just a great example that just because you do charity does not mean that you are a force for good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I listened to something. Slightly off topic, sure. but it just triggered. We were talking about Neil uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And someone asked him if he believed in God. And it was really fascinating because he said that with a, there was a study that was done and that they asked a group of scientists if they pra- had any religious practice. And he said 60% of them did, which is really crazy that there were 60% of people that had practicing religion that were scientists mm, that they yeah, never it's very interesting but they separated it it was almost like they completely turned it off none of the practice and principles from the religion came into their work whatsoever mm. is what they said but <clears throat> then he was asked do you specifically believe in god and he said okay we have to define what god is but he said traditionally most people believe like jesus christ yahweh mm-hmm. believe that god is completely all powerful Okay, omniscient and all-powerful can pull the strings in any way, shape, and form. So he, in the context of it, so God can do whatever God wants to do. At the same time, this same God is all-loving, an all-loving God. And he said, right there, those two things cannot coexist. You cannot have an all-loving God that has unlimited power and is omniscient because if that all loving God was all omniscient, there would be no pain, no no pain, none of the issues that we have in our society. So he said by that definition, they can't coexist. Yeah. And obviously he doesn't believe in God and he elaborates on it, but just on that point alone, do you feel like there's a lot of legitimacy to that? Yeah, I can tell you just to throw it for everybody, the, I can hear the argument that goes back is, but God can't because we were sinful. They'll be some argument, free will, all that kind of stuff. And then he's really not all powerful. But I mean, it just, it's that simple. It's like if that, if God can't do something because of something we did and because of sin, then he is not all powerful. What if he wanted to he's, just give has us limited the freedom power. to do it? I think that's a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And not it's a really bad leader. Yeah, it's a bad leader. Something that's all loving can't do that. Again, you get into the all loving, all powerful can't coexist. I do want to interject that we're a small podcast right now, but Neil deGrasse Tyson is also on my top ten list of people I would love to have on this <laughs> on this podcast. When we get big and we're big enough, <clears throat> yes. I would he I listener. Even, if you know any of these, oh people. god. But here's the thing. I don't want to have him on. If we had him on our podcast, it would not be in an effort to talk about purely deconversion. I would be wanting to talk to him about how my excitement for science went through the roof when I left religion and how, I mean, he was a catalyst for that. Bill Nye kind of set the foundation for me as a kid. But again, like we started the podcast today, the stuff that's going on is so much more exciting than religious stuff. Religion's got nothing on science, and, dude. And it's, it's tangible. And it's tangible. It's something to talk about and you can see and hear and touch. And I, he is a great well, communicator the, on that the, stuff. So the, to talk about that with him would be a blast. I, yeah. 
we have to do a lot of work to prep for that one. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Who knows? Mason was hey, listening one day. to this. It'd be really fun. It's his neighbor. They call him. Hey, these guys want to do a atypical type of podcast with you. He'd do it. <laughs> I know we'll talk to him. What was funny was the black woman that was letting this street preacher have it. Was She said, do you believe in uh, fairy tales? And he said, no. You believe in fairy tales. He, and he, he said, Santa Claus is a fairy tale. Jesus is real. And he said, what do you believe in? She went, science. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, the truth. <laughs> yeah, literally, science. <laughs> it was so, she said, so exasperated at oh, him yeah. too. And it's so funny because to me, there's no difference between Santa Claus and Jesus. His whole thing. He is the one believing in a fairy tale. People believe, I don't believe in Santa Claus. But I that's mean, really hard for, I think that's probably one of the hardest things with deconversion for, from people that I've spoken with is that you have this concept that Jesus is in your life and you mm-hmm. have the Holy Spirit. And then to say, oh, Jesus is a fairy tale, man. It just makes the brain go haywire. It's like pouring water on a circuit board. Well, yeah, it's, and it's oftentimes for people who are early on, it's laced with fear too. Because, But that fear is typically related to like how it affects your life. If you're going to do that, people are going to treat you differently. Your community could change, all this sort of stuff. And then there could be an element of, oh, what if I'm wrong like thing. We get over that pretty quick. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So next Thursday. Yes. So we went on a Thursday night. Uh-huh. Would we go talk to that guy if we were downtown? I think that we could find more effective avenues for argument than engaging in somebody that's already – to me, that guy is like a landmine that's set there that you're just going to make him worse. What do you think of my idea of having a sign that's next to him that says, if this guy is upsetting you, please listen to the Deconversion Podcast? I think the real trick with somebody like that is – Do you think we would cl- get more views on our podcast? Uh, you have to be clever. You need mm. a clever and thoughtful way to take them off. To, to don't. There's the whole thing in Sun Tzu, Art of War. It's go where your enemy is not. Yeah, I got that book right here. Yeah, I know. It's right behind you. It's So be where your enemy isn't. Mm. Or and never go into the trap. And the, my favorite ones don't ever interrupt an enemy while they're making a mistake. Guy's making a mistake. He's not driving yeah. people to, he's driving people against for the most part. Yeah. And so it's like you want to be clever. And what you said, standing there next was like, would you like to have a calm, rational conversation about why religion doesn't make any sense anymore and you should just not do this? That would be way more attractive than what he's doing. Right. And it's so something clever about contrast. Maybe we'll go do it. Maybe, Maybe. we could do something that's clever. No, we're not Frank. here to argue with you, man. You're cool. Do your thing. You have a right. Yeah. You have free speech to do this. We're just going to stand here and hold up our sign. Francie said we should get a microphone or have the pocket like set up and pull people that confront them. So people that go and talk to them. Or if you talk to him, it. talk to us. We'll, we'll make you feel better. And just <laughs> ask them their opinion. Like, so that woman was obviously disagreed with yeah. him. It would be fascinating to pull her and be like, what's your story? Why does this upset? Like, she's just find out what that person's. You know why that would be was. hard, Isaac? It's because I can see you trying to set up our sound equipment in a busy public place with tons of noise going on around us. And you'd be losing your mind. <laughs> I'd say <laughs> I'd set up a foam wall. I'd yeah, like a foam wall. We'd have like a quiet room. It's yeah. going to look like a glass gazebo that yeah. you have to walk into. Me with a good time. <laughs> I could tell. I'll we could it. put Christmas lights on it. We could do it holiday oh, yeah. themed. Yeah, exactly. Our gazebo, like those mall gazebos. <laughs> 
That's actually a genius uh, idea. Yeah, I'll have to keep. We should keep that going. That might be a good thing. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna blend two podcasts together. Okay. Okay. My last question for this podcast has to do with two of them put together, right? So we talked about an appropriate time to engage. Reasons why you gave the podcast example of mm-hmm. the Muslim conservative having this conversation. We talked about not interacting because. That person wasn't influencing anyone. No one was listening to them. They were just walking by. So we're trying to navigate when is it and when is it not appropriate to to say something. And then we've talked about family during the holidays. We've also talked in the past about protecting yourself and that you don't have to cross the line and get into it until you feel like you're ready and you have the knowledge and you have the information. But when does it get to a point where... You feel like you have to say something like, I cannot, I know my family has different beliefs. You know, I'm, I'm going to respect my family's beliefs. I would say for a fair amount, they're respecting my beliefs, but this conversation's come up. Is there, how do you navigate that? When, you know, what would constitute as something where morally we should say something? For me... That is, I would think it's at two particular points. One, if someone's being hurt, if someone's being hurt by what is going on and what the information is, either they're being harmed by the dialogue that's going on right now, like what's happening right in front of me. I interject to stop that from happening. If I ever witnessed some of the stuff that I have heard about, we watched the video where the guy confessed at the front of the church that he had an affair and then the girl, oh, "Oh, you remember that one? She was like, yeah, I was 16 at the time. And then she doesn't get any support and he gets support messed up. My sisters recounted to me a, a situation where a girl had come back from college pregnant and she had to stand up in front of the church and ask for forgiveness. If I was bearing witness to anything like that, I would be nauseated and could and be quiet. Okay. okay. So someone's being harmed. Someone's being harmed. Which before you get to the next part, mm-hmm. ironically, I was in a family situation dynamic where the religious group were actually the minority with all the family. They were getting attacked pretty oh, hard. Oh, yeah. And I was, and I got in there and, oh, yeah. That's offered just, it that's because, called being a good person. Yeah. Even though it was, even though I agreed, it was, I felt like it was too much. Oh, and yeah. Defended this I, person. I've encountered people who have, I've been that person at a time, but it was like where you're going too far the other way. You're hurting people and just doing that and bulldozing. Yeah, that's, yeah. it's going to get, that will make me rise to the occasion. The other option is when I feel like there is an, there is an audience that is actively listening and they're not getting a counterpoint to the idea especially when it's something that I care about. Okay. Like a great example of that would be like, if I'm like around someone who I know is getting pummeled with purity culture, I would be like, no, that's not an intelligent and smart way to live your life. And there's no guarantee it's going to provide you with any of the benefit that someone's going to, that they're trying to prop up to you and that you can live a healthy, happy life and be, it's like our conversation with Prairie and sex positivity. It's there are times when I feel like there's an element that is actively listening. And if I feel like they're just getting preached to, and there's no opposition to an idea that I disagree with, I'll pipe up. So let's just play a fake scenario. I got a ton of family, Christmas table laid out, big old meals coming. Let's always, let's give credit to the cliche uncle. Random uncle walks by and says, you know, if people have sex before they get married, they're going to hell. And then keeps going. 
No one's listening to him. No one really paid attention. It was just you and one other person in the room. And then he just walks by to go grab a Coca-Cola. Scenario A, right? I would and probably then, respond with jest. Okay, with jest. To, to people around me. And the then, good thing about that, there's no hell. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then uh-huh. you have the entire family sitting around. There is your cousins are mm-hmm. obviously a young couple who are not married, who are sleeping with each other. Mm-hmm. And then the uncle is making the same statements, right? Would you speak up at that moment? Is that oh, yeah. a moment for you to speak up so that they – Oh, you, yeah. So your cousins have a counterpoint. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. Let's say that same family dynamic, everyone's sitting at a table, and a comment was made that was directed towards you and you only. You were the audience. So anyone that promotes deconversion can burn in hell. Okay. Maybe that's a little bit too aggressive. Like someone who has a deconversion podcast. I'd be like, go to heaven for the weather. Go to hell for the company, brother. Yeah. (laughs) But but do you get what I'm saying? For me, I'm going to deflect. Yeah. You're going to deflect. You're not going to engage. I'm not going to engage in the same sort of way because I'm not going to get anywhere with that person. I don't give a shit. And I'm not obligated to be around that person. At worst, at least I would respond with humor. At worst, I would get up and leave and I would never speak or be around that person again because that's up to me. That's not hurting me. It's not you. The way you deal with something for yourself and something that's targeted you solely is very different than how you handle social situations and right. like where other people are being influenced around it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Direct. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll deflect and just make, I'll straight up make fun of it. Yeah. It's no debate December people. Yeah. It's no debate December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Come on. Yeah. It's interesting. There's definitely no one right answer. No. To it's very when situ- to engage and when not to engage. It's very situational. Yeah, it's tough. That's, That's it, an, another one in the bag. It's funny because I have about five rabbit trails to go down right now. Well, it's great. Write yeah. them down. We'll do other podcasts. Yeah, for the podcast. But did you have fun downtown oh, yeah. San Antonio? By the oh, way? dude, it was great. The food was freaking delicious. We went Fruit. to an Asian fusion restaurant. What was that place called? It was good. It's called Hot Joy. Yeah, Hot Joy. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to those good. guys. You're in San Antonio. Go have some of that. That dude, was freaking delicious. Go before six o'clock. Go before six o'clock. <laughs> I was looking at you because we, we did family style, so we, like, ordered stuff for the table. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this is going to be pricey. I was like, he and I are going to both get hit in the wallet tonight. And that bill came, and I looked at you, and I was like, did they comp us something? Like, is something and you're like, on? holy crap. And all of their food was half off during yeah. happy hour. Yeah, exactly. It was unbelievable. And it was, it was worth every penny. So we took the extra and tipped the waitress. Yeah, exactly. And then bought a waffle cone ice cream later with the, yeah that was delicious <laughs> with the money saved yep so it's time anyway, to start working out yeah yeah it's about that season i'm sure all of our listeners are getting there too they're like oh man it's time to wheel back yeah we got a few we got two more weeks lee and i are going to be taking a break for two weeks here which is going to be nice and do some more podcasts and then enjoy the holiday yeah see if we'll have anything else exciting happen for us to talk about yeah we got some fun podcasts i already talked to doug about us doing yeah. some fun stuff. Yeah, because you your in-laws are going to be in town. And then my uncle's still on the docket. He should be down here sometime during the holiday. I'm not sure when, but we'll yeah. get him on. It's kind of, I feel like we're going to keep our podcast a little bit light. So the holidays want don't want to pull anybody down too much. Everybody yeah. have a good time. His is going to be an interesting one because we're going to, we've always, he wants to talk about his view about the church being organized crime, which yeah. is interesting. And we talked about starting the first of the year with a little bang. With some, getting into we're, some meaty stuff yeah. and roll. I think Anthony's going to come join us for that, which will yeah. be really good. That'll be fun. Yeah. How many episodes have we done? I think this is going to be 32 or 33. 
So we'll, what, we're going to end, we're going to end the year with 35. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And then we're, we're all set to just continue along here. So yeah. we'll see Rock what happens. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. Have a great night. The pool boy said he couldn't come over today. Oh, shut up. Quit <laughs> adding that on the end. We have a tagline. It's the best one yet. Was that the best one though? I don't know. You put the pool boy on the end. It's probably It's hard. You know, it's hard. Here's what's hard. Here's what's hard is we say it's the best one yet, but then all our friends and family get offended. If this is the best one, then prairies can't be the best one. If this is the best one, then Doug's can't be the best one. I got no, we said So there's a real We shot ourselves in the foot with that one. Yeah. There's a real there's some conflict of interest. You know what? It's the best one yet for this season in life. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Deconversion Podcast. We're so happy you joined us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode.